Hi, and welcome to episode 2.4 of the Borcelli Brothers podcast. I'm Mike Borcelli. I'm Sean Borcelli. And today on the show, we're talking about UFOs. UFOs. And aliens. And aliens. And all the things in between, kind of ish. I mean, we talk about a lot. Yeah, this is a uh, second of our full Borcellis. Yeah. So we had Jeff on. Full Borcelli, all the brothers in one garage. I mean, studio. <laughs> yeah, it's pronounced studio. Right. <laughs> Not garage. <laughs> How clumsy of me. <laughs> so, <clears throat> well, we get into a lot of stuff on this episode. Uh, what do you talk about on this episode? I don't even know. Uh, I don't even remember it. <laughs> it's like I was abducted or something. You mi- are you missing time, Sean? I'm missing time. <laughs> <laughs> was I actually at, on this episode? You were. You were. Uh, okay, so we talk about, uh, well, I talk about uh, UFOs mm-hmm. uh, and some, a couple of abduction cases and mm-hmm. uh, a UFO sighting case from uh, some uh, credible officials. Right. Yeah. And I talk about uh, also uh, real aliens and their intergalactic battle of extraordinary proportions Yeah. happening <laughs> around us all the time. Yeah, totally. Is that right? I think that's what <laughs> you talked about. It, yeah. Right? I think, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, there is a giant soap opera of alien stuff happening, and I'm going to get into it. Yeah. Uh. One of the things we did for this uh, episode was we sent you on assignment. Yes. Yes. So you went down to the desert. You took a trip to the desert. I did to uh-huh. to the to the California. So desert. this was a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, and why were you heading down there? So I went down to Joshua Tree for contact in the desert, which is a big, uh, big uh, <laughs> orgy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Big get together where everyone <laughs> touches knobs and <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah. Uh, I went down to for contact in the desert, which is a big gathering of UF- ufologists mm-hmm. uh, to talk. It's got crazy speakers like George Norrie, uh, who hosts Coast to Coast AM, mm-hmm. very famous. Uh, uh, Graham Hancock, uh, uh, Giorgio A. Sukalos, who hosts uh, notably Ancient Aliens. He's got the crazy hair. Oh, that guy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, Dr. Streven- Stephen Greer is the, uh, he's the guy coming out with, the, there's a really in- interesting uh, UFO documentary coming out, and uh, I'll, I'll link to its trailer in the show notes, you can check it out there. The name escapes me right now. But, uh, super cool collection of, of, of speakers. Uh, awesome. I'll so, talk about stuff. How was it? I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. I, w- I was a month early. What do you mean? Uh, I got there, I got there in april and apparently apparently it happens in may so you went to the desert mm-hmm. and you asked me uh for some money because it was gonna be part of the borcelli brothers show yes and uh and you were gonna go to this thing but you didn't actually go to it no when is this it was in may <laughs> it was around the same week of May from uh-huh. the 19th to the 22nd uh-huh. uh, that you know that I was in uh... so <clears throat> uh, you're supposed to be doing a segment right now do you have a segment and uh, no <laughs> so what did you do in the desert Mike I think I got really drunk by a pool so where you went to Palm Springs yeah I got lost in the desert mm-hmm okay so for a little while I can't afford this shit you owe me some money. I, I mean, five hundred dollars. Uh, in fact, it's it'll be fine. 
We'll, we'll figure it out. I'll, I'll pull, we'll, we, you know, uh, I, I got a, a valuable retreat out of it. Uh, I think I needed uh-huh. the vacation. Yeah. I, you know, I work hard. I edit a lot. I oh, mean, not lately, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, listeners at home, you can tell by how much uh, productivity uh, we've had this season. Like, we're already on episode four. <laughs> it's only June. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when did our season start? I don't remember. February? But November? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, excellent. <laughs> excellent. Uh, so my bad. Yeah. Well, I'm just wondering if you want to chip in on my little holiday I'm taking next week. Where are you going? New Orleans. Oh, New Orleans. You doing New a, Orleans. You doing a ghost segment sure. for the show? Yeah, I'm doing a ghost segment. <laughs> okay. There's actually a ghost convention going on in New Orleans. Uh-huh. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, we're going to get a lot of hits. It's, it's a good investment for... Okay. Uh, you know what? I'm in. I'm in. I'm <laughs> okay. in. Perfect. Then we're even. Even Steven. <laughs> yeah, except I'm going to have actually product. Uh, prove prove it. I I'll will. Be- I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, enjoy the episode. Walk me through uh, this. Um, you got to push your tongue, tongue okay, to the okay. top of your palate and uh, bring it down okay. and stretch it out as far as you can okay. out of your mouth uh, while keeping your jaw open as uh, wide as you can. Uh, 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 in and out. Uh, in and out like a lunge. I feel it. You, you look like the, you're feeling it. You got to do the sound. I can feel the burn. Yeah, or, it actually hurts. Or an itchiness like you, you, of some kind. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that like is. Like tomorrow, tomorrow you're going to feel a little stiff. A little lockjaw? Yeah. Cool. But it, uh, it's, supposed, it's supposed to work. I've been snoring a little bit more as, uh, as I, I've gotten older. I snore anytime I sleep on my back. I just have heavy nose breathing. Like, yeah. I I do that in the day. Not I don't know if I do it at night. I've never heard a comment about it, but probably. I do it whenever I'm not paying attention to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that just means you need some more cardio. That's entirely possible. That's, uh, pr- that's what I always think it is. We're thinking <clears> of <throat> starting up uh, Golden Eagle soccer again. Sunday soccer? Uh, I might be into it. I can't do every Sunday. Yeah, that's that's how that works. I mean, you just come when you can. I will be there every Sunday. I've got a third easy. D&D group on Sunday mornings now. Oh. Wow. Where are you going to fit us in? We're your well, D&D you're, bros. You're D&D group number two. 
Okay, that's good. I like number two. Okay, when's our next one? Actually, I wouldn't mind planning something. Yeah, also, I actually, we're still, in, we're still in that our, our D and D day. It's just we're still in that dungeon. Well, I'm not doing it every Sunday. Oh. We're still in that dungeon, and I would like to get out of it, and also eat some more Kentucky Fried Chicken. I really want to get to level four and have a pizone. Yeah, and you've only been through uh, like twenty percent of the dungeon, maybe. Not yeah. Even. Uh, and uh, you theoretically could only go through 30% of the dungeon and never see the rest. Wow. Yeah, see, I want to play some more. I'm a bit of a completist. I'm going to finish that dungeon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wanted to go through everything of that. We'll take, I wanted we'll that take all the elemental. weird turns. Yeah. yeah. Good luck. We already missed, like, five of them. But. <laughs> but no, you guys just took the secret shortcut I built in that I never expected you to take. Oh. Yeah. Well, we're good at Dungeons and Dragons. Apparently. Yeah. So it's the full Borcelli episode. Yay! We got Jeff back. Should we all do a sound off? We should have planned that before. Okay, but we can can, can just wing it. What do you mean by a sound off? What what if all four of us make a sound? What if all of us just made a... Like a little wait, wait okay okay you, you know can't what? get any more Borcelli than this. Hey, gonna, how I'm, about we uh, just say hello? Sure. Okay. Hi, this is Sean Borcelli. Hello, this is Mike Borcelli. And this is Jeff Borcelli. Yeah. Oh, thank you, okay. Jeff. Fine. Whatever. Thank, Whatever. Thank you, thank you for keeping it real. We won't synchronize. Uh, I'm Nick Borcelli. You guys know me. You sound like a real idiot, Mike. <laughs> After all that, <laughs> well, you know, I thought I, you guys had my back. No, well, I feel feel like you're a little overboard there, Mike. I guess I don't know what brothers are for. Then I guess I don't know. Well, they're meant to keep you in check, and uh, we did. You could check right off. <laughs> uh, so this episode, uh, well, when we get Jeff in, we we like to talk about science stuff. Often he's a he's a science guy. He's a science nerd. Uh, as nerdy as us, but probably actually remembers the facts a little better and yeah. doesn't just make up stuff. And he'll also uh, let us know when we're completely out to lunch. Like, he'll just vehemently let us know. He's pretty good at just letting us know. I think he's about <laughs> to correct you on the proper usage of the word vehement. Vehemently. <laughs> no, that was correct, actually. I thought so. Really? Yeah. Uh, I, f- yeah. I feel like there's better words that you could have chosen. I, I say Certainly. vehemently. Uh-huh. Yeah. But uh, no, that, I might, that might be wrong. I don't know. I thought that was okay. I like vehement. I say vehement too. Yeah. Anyways, when, so to the listeners at home, uh, this episode is going to be all about how to pronounce certain words. It's going to be very exciting. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Uh, for my first word, I am I'm pulling out the word UFO. A lot of people say UFO. I say UFO. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Because uh, a lot of times you'll actually see UFO spelled not with all capitals anymore. It's just, it's a capital U and then an F-O. Do you see that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see it the way I wrote it on my paper. <laughs> that is the real Japanese pronunciation of UFO. UFO? Is it UFO? Yeah. Wow. UFO. They don't do uh, UFO. acronyms like that, like FBI is FUBI. See, this is why we brought you on. Uh, but uh, you know what? Let's not worry about this pronunciation stuff. Let's actually just talk about UFOs. Let's talk about UFOs. Are you wait, prepared wait, to wait. talk about UFOs? I'm prepared. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh ready. Man. 
a good bowl of ufo for lunch sticky noodles okay well that's what we're talking about then okay yeah so we're talking UFOs. about ufos or ufos as uh the layman <laughs> call it <laughs> right that's a layman term yeah um unidentified flying objects uh aliens um I have some insight on this. Mike, you came prepared with some insight. Yeah. I've been thinking about this topic for a long time. and I think we all have. Yeah, especially think, of As late. the Borcelli brothers, this is actually a subject that's pretty near and dear to us in a lot of ways. Yes. Being fascinated by it since children and the X-Files. Since and children, X-Files, growing up in small towns, living, spending a lot of time in the woods growing up. Mm-hmm. This is definitely a near and dear topic to our hearts. Jeff, yeah, I'm, I've, it was. Come on, it was. Yeah, um, I've spent a lot of time listening to UFO accounts. Uh, I, I think I've I've been searching for that story I could maybe believe in. Yeah, that uh, out of hundreds, thousands, <laughs> yeah, a lot. Yeah, um, I think I got tired of trying to find that along the way. So and so it's, it's been a while. Have you given up? Or have you just come to terms with the fact that you just, you can't believe? Yeah, I mean, belief isn't really my strong suit. I, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm a science guy, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I uh, like to keep an open mind, but I don't believe in things. Yeah, you're you're a little bit more Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see. Okay. Now, I growing up have heard, and so have all of you, hundreds of accounts of ufo sightings and abductions and all of the stories and maybe our listeners at home aren't super familiar with this maybe they're not so in tune with this subject matter as we are but i for one want to start a conversation and maybe let's let's see what we can what we can surmise from these instances whether they're believable or not I have a few scenarios, a few things, a few uh, instances from his history that maybe are unexplainable or maybe are explainable, and let's talk about it. So one of the most famous ones that I'm familiar with and that I think anybody who knows anything about ufology or ufology is familiar with is the uh, Betty and Barney Hill incident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. It was really the first incident of UFO abductees that started to bring into account missing time, the idea of being in the woods on a long drive at night and seeing a light in the sky, and all of these, all of these very much like close encounters of the third kind principles that have been brought into every other account you hear about nowadays. Well, you say brought in. But I'm or, going to say also uh, seems to relate to other stories that have happened cer- since. Certainly. They, they certainly seem to match other stories that come later. And whether this is uh, uh, the origin of that story or whether it is just the first account that was, that was made public, I don't know. So I'm going to play a little video uh, or a little, a little audio file. And this is uh, the story of Betty and Barney Hill. 
I, I would love to. It's who, uh, little in fact, it's a uh, who um, Betty and Barney Rubble were named after. Oh, yeah. I guess that makes sense. Betty and Barney. Oh. 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 <laughs> Who's our bell? <laughs> I put it away. <laughs> we've been using We've been, we've we've been, been really crutching on it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this is, this is uh, the, the story of uh, Barney and Betty Hill and their abduction. On the night of September 19, 1961, Betty and Barney Hill were driving home to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, after a trip to Niagara Falls. They were headed south through New Hampshire on Route 3 when Betty spotted a bright light in the sky. They watched the light for quite some time as they drove and even stopped the car multiple times to look at it through binoculars. The object seemed to be part of some sort of craft, flashing red, amber, and green colored lights. As the couple drove, the craft swooped down and flew right over top of their 57 Chevy Bel Air. Barney hit the brakes, stepped out of the vehicle, and again pulled out his binoculars. It hovered no more than 100 feet above their car, before it zoomed toward a nearby field and stayed hovering over the treetops. Carrying his pistol in his pocket, he stepped away from the vehicle and moved toward the object. Using the binoculars, Barney claimed to have seen 8 to 11 humanoid figures who were peering out of the craft's windows. In unison, all but one figure moved to what appeared to be a panel on the rear wall of the hallway that encircled the front portion of the craft. The one remaining figure continued to look at Barney and communicated telepathically a message telling him to stay where you are and keep looking. Barney had a recollection of observing the humanoid forms wearing glossy, black uniforms and black caps. On October 21, 1961, Barney reported to NICAP investigator Walter Webb that the beings were somehow not human. Red lights on what appeared to be batwing fins began to telescope out of the sides of the craft, and a long structure descended from the bottom. It approached to what Barney estimated was within 50 to 80 feet from where he was. Barney tore the binoculars away from his eyes and ran back to his car. In a near hysterical state, he told Betty, They're going to capture us. He saw the object again shift its location to directly above the vehicle. He drove away at high speed, telling Betty to look for the object. She rolled down the window and looked up. The craft was keeping pace with their car. The hills heard a rhythmic series of beeping and buzzing sounds, which they said seemed to bounce off the trunk of their vehicle. The car vibrated and a tingling sensation passed through the hills' bodies. For reasons they could not explain, they ceased all conversation and continued on without incident until somewhere further down the highway, they heard a second series of buzzing noises. It was at this point they realized they had lost track of the last 20 to 30 minutes. Upon their arrival home at dawn, the couple realized that the drive had somehow taken two to three hours longer than anticipated. In the days that followed, the Hills made some odd discoveries and suffered strange impulses they could not readily explain. Betty insisted their luggage be kept near the back door rather than in the main part of the house. Their watches, which worked perfectly before the trip, would never run again. Barney said the leather strap for the binoculars was torn, though he could not recall it tearing. Betty's dress had been cut in several places and the hemline was torn on one side. Barney says he was compelled to examine his genitals in the bathroom. He noticed an unnaturally symmetrical ring of warts on his groin. That, that's hilarious. <laughs> I just want to yeah, pause, pause there and right say there. that's hilarious. A ring of warts <laughs> like, on his what? Unexplainable. <laughs> Unexplainable. Here is a segment from YouTube channel UFO Case Review, 
recounting what happened in the weeks that followed. It's called HPV, dude. Soon, Betty began having dreams of being taken aboard an extraterrestrial spacecraft. And though he had always tried to put the encounter behind him, Barney began suffering extreme anxiety over his ongoing amnesia. He contacted a local psychiatrist, and with Betty's encouragement, inquired about the possibility of hypnotherapy. His psychiatrist referred him to the office of Dr. Benjamin Simon, a prominent hypnotherapist in Boston. Over the next six months, Dr. Simon conducted a series of individual hypnotic and therapeutic sessions with both Betty and Barney. Simon had no interest in UFO stories and did not believe in extraterrestrial visitations. He approached the situation with an extremely critical eye and took great pains to prevent details of one partner's recollections from influencing those of the other. After every session, he induced amnesia once again so that the Hills could not discuss their new memories with one another outside the therapy sessions. Neither of them were allowed to listen to anything that they had said under hypnosis until all the sessions had been completed. In the end, however, the Hills' stories were nearly identical. Their new memories began immediately after the Hills had heard the first set of buzzing noises. Barney recalled feeling suddenly compelled to pull off the highway and drive into the woods. Once he'd driven off the highway, the car stalled, and six humanoid figures came to lead the Hills aboard a disc-shaped craft that rested nearby. The Hills were both complacent for reasons that they could not explain. Once aboard, the beings led the Hills into separate rooms and laid them down on empty tables. Both Betty and Barney were subjected to a series of invasive, and at times painful, procedures that focused on their reproductive systems. Somehow the beings were able to communicate with the Hills, and they offered them reassurance in times of pain. Still, the experience was overwhelmingly negative for both Betty and Barney. Dr. Simon often had trouble keeping them calm, as they recalled the more traumatic moments of their abduction. By the end of the sessions, both Betty and Barney had come to believe that they had, in fact, been abducted by alien beings. Betty was able to recreate a star map under hypnosis that she claimed she had been shown while aboard the craft. Later researchers have used this map to argue that the abductors were extraterrestrial beings from the Zeta Reticuli star system. Dr. Simon, however, concluded that all abduction memories were subconscious fabrications inspired by the contents of Betty's earlier dreams. He admitted that there were a number of inconsistencies between the two accounts and the dream narrative that he could not explain. The Hills is now considered a landmark case in ufology. It was not the first ever case of alleged alien abduction, but it achieved an unprecedented degree of media exposure. The Hills was also the first publicized abduction case to involve a period of so-called missing time. Dr. Simon's pioneering work on the Hills taught ufologists that hypnotic regression, when used responsibly, could help to recover missing memories, diagnose cases of alien abduction, and mitigate patient trauma. When UFO researchers began to specialize in abductions in the late 1970s, they used many of the same methods that Dr. Simon had successfully applied to the Hills. Though Barney passed away only five years after the termination of his therapy, he managed to overcome the symptoms of his trauma. After Barney's death, Betty became more heavily involved in the UFO community. She remained a proud advocate of UFO research until the day she passed away in 2004. I think I'm allergic to his voice. Um, I have a theory. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think they were abducted by the um, occult group, the Freemasons, and uh, forced into an orgy. <laughs> 
Well, okay. There's so Look. many. There's a lot of things wrong with what you just said. It's, there's a lot of things wrong with it. Either a lot that of things just right. Covering a lot up of cheating right. on his wife. No, but he was with his wife. I. There's I think, no I way. I think they went to a key party, and <laughs> things got a little awkward. Somebody and... got a little HPV mm-hmm. business going on, or ringworm, or something. Here's the thing. That case is absolutely interesting in the sense that, like, both of them under hypnotic regression recounted the same scenario but they recounted it in different rooms separately i have an explanation for that great the other the other the other element of that story is that uh betty drew a star map uh a star map that only really in later uh astronomy became became well known as like oh this is actually accurate as the zeta reticuli area like maybe that's where this comes from and like that 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 whole incident really birthed the abduction story jeff looks I like mean, he wants this to is say this something. is like the abduction it's, story it's this the is, abduction story this is this is the entry point for every ufologist picture the 200 billion stars in the galaxy how are you not going to find a zone that like fits her map yeah that's great. That's a great. I love that. You draw. You draw seven points of stars, yeah. and it's like, oh, it fits. You could. You could crack. You could crack some pepper on white paper and map a star system. That is assuming she actually wrote a star map. I mean, she did. I, there's a drawing in the video, but who did the video? Who are we listening to there? This is a UFO case review by a YouTuber. Um, uh, known as UFO case review. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. So, what what do you think? Do, are are they lying? Are they delusional? Did they take acid on their drive? Like, and both just be like, "Whoa, shit! Yeah, this is all a thing." I don't. I don't know. What What is everybody's thoughts on this case? Because it's huge. It's a very famous case. Yeah, I mean, with Betty and Barney Hill, it's always been my feeling that they just told a story that they wanted to be known <laughs> is is that is that your interpretation yeah that's always been my feeling on the betty and barney hell now when it comes because you it, also have to take into account like hypnosis is also an often like debunks it's science not, in it's itself. not it's not legit sure um, yeah you can't use that as sure can, absolutely yeah. i also i've actually done a, a heck of a lot of research on hypnosis too because it was uh interest when i was younger okay um, effects now trigger words have been proven to be able to be put in to to make somebody have feel like they have to go to the bathroom at a certain word okay yes only lasts half an hour amnesia putting in inducing amnesia is not possible for more than half an hour so nothing nothing roughly st- nothing yeah. strong enough to say like let's regress this entire human being and forget everything they know and remember a bunch of facts yeah exactly <laughs> That part really got me. He was like presenting it as like a medical procedure, yeah, as part of his like double blind study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's um, really just tricking the brain. Yeah. So I, uh, <laughs> well, uh, clearly they couldn't have collaborated because I induced amnesia in both of them. Yeah. yeah. It, it, what hypnosis is is basically putting the conscious body, like putting the conscious mind to sleep and bringing the subconscious forward. And basically all that does is the person is still in their right mind they might be a little more calm and they don't have the conscious mind preventing memory which is why they why they use it for hypnotic regression a lot 
but it still is not proven to be accurate because the person will only do what they would do, what their conscious mind would like, what they would in good faith do themselves. Right. Like you can't make somebody kill somebody because they're hypnotized. Right. 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 They're going to, they're going to go, well, no, that's wrong. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Also, how many weeks later was it that they went to go talk to a therapist as if they hadn't already come up with their story before they went in and got hypnotherapy? Which, so one of the, which, 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 which decade was this? This is 45? 40s? Yeah, it was 61. Oh. 61 was when oh, it happened. I so, totally thought it was earlier. Yeah, I was so earlier. I always used to think it was earlier too. But here's the thing. So let's hypothetically say um, that their hip hypnotism was real they they really believe all this stuff let's just hypothetically they believe all of it one of the things that was brought forward was the fact that maybe her dream the fact that she started having nightmares like let's say they they actually in the woods that night um experienced some traumatic event something freemason orgy Sure. Okay. Yeah. Hey, that. Maybe that. Here's the thing. But hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Maybe they experienced that some traumatic event, but that the fact that she in the couple of weeks after started dreaming about it, as if she wouldn't tell her husband what she was dreaming about, and then in her hypnotic regression, as if if they both did in fact experience some traumatic event, some PTSD inducing event. Of course, maybe under hypnotic regression, they start remembering just that dream. That she that the narrative that they've been told a bunch of times. Well, I mean, there's been a lot of study lately on long-term memory. Okay. And, and short-term memory, it's it's all really cool stuff that maybe we'll talk about some other time. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's everything is shown that uh, long-term memory is more much more rewritable than we thought. It uh, it's not that reliable. Long-term memory. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I guess. I think I've, I've, I think I understand this as like the more you remember, the more you remember an incident, the less uh, reliable that memory is. Well, uh, it's, it's partially every time you remember it. Right. Yeah. It's also when someone else is telling you about that incident in their own memories, it totally distorts, and you end up uh, assimilating their memories into your memories. Right. Yeah. It's not. It happens very as- easily. Yeah. Yeah, it's not stored as like a, a, a chunk of memory on a hard drive. It's it's stored as like a pattern of neural uh, signals. Right. And uh, that pattern can be mish- mishmashed with other things, and you may not really know that that happened. Hmm. Like uh, someone telling you about their version of events might alter your memory of those events, especially weeks later. Hmm. So... So what are we saying here? So you're saying like maybe they experienced something, maybe they entirely blocked it out, blacked it out, and she had some dreams that were abductee-ish, and maybe she told her husband about it, and blammo, let's assume they're honest people, blammo, they both just took on that story. Yeah, yeah, but well, it could happen. Absolutely. Easy I, I feel like we're, we're not being that fair to the Betty and Barney Hill story because it's like one of the most looked into things ever. Like we need sure we need like someone here who's like really into it to defend it. But um, also like, like, so this wasn't like the first, no, it's not the first, but it's, it was one of the first big notable ones. It was like made a lot the, of news. 
it's the UFO abduction story that it's the archetype. Let's look at this in an objective way. Okay. Uh, where let's just say the story is correct. Okay. It's a true story. A UFO. So they describe the ship as a disc, classic flying saucer kind mm-hmm. of shape. Um, Windows. They could actually see people inside of it. Mm-hmm. So now that would suggest that uh, they are not from Earth. <laughs> I think that probably, yeah. We're thinking that. that thing came from space. I think probably, right? yeah. Uh, I was. I've always thought of this. Uh, this story as uh, like the start of saucers. Right. But it. Re- I was looking into this a little bit before coming here, and uh, no, saucers really became uh, in fashion in the twenties. These UFO stories are. They all follow like a fashion for a while, a trend, similar uh, tropes. And uh, before the twenties, they were all like spheres and oh yeah, okay, cigars and yeah, all that. And like in the twenties, apparently it switched to saucers and uh, discs. Yeah. spinning things and uh that persisted all the way up through the 60s and well you, there's silent silent films with with discs flying discs yeah right in them as the aliens are coming martians and uh yeah. whereas modern ufo accounts uh are it's all glowing lights and orbs and less tangible stuff that's the the fashion now of course the I guess that's one of the things that turned me off UFO reports is that uh, if you listen to them from a certain period of time, they're all the same. Okay. That statement alone. If you were listening, like if you're listening to any other radio shows that deal with UFO reports, the fact that they're all the same is exactly the evidence that they hold up and say, well, that means that they're true. I know. I know. Now, well, I mean, it's not like, they're going to design a whole bunch of different uh, like interstellar travel ships. Like if they got a good design, they'll probably just use that one. Right. They might have a smaller one or a bigger one, but and they've just like updated their technology yes, lately and they've, they've in, into in, orb form <laughs> into orb or form. cigars were so 1920s and the 1960s. We got to discs. They found, like, a, better, <laughs> they found a better way of doing that. Here's my theory. Uh, a sphere, when looked at in the two dimensions, is in fact a disc. Say that again. A sphere, when looked at in the two dimensions. Yeah. A two-dimensional sphere is a disc. That's true. Two-dimensional slice of a sphere is a disc. Yes. So, <laughs> perhaps it's just uh, perspective or point of view. Or it might uh, look like a disc uh, when it needs to actually take off or fly or do some navigating. Or maybe it inflates to a sphere in order to uh, get through some kind of interstellar passageway. Hmm. Maybe too many people were seeing them in their big saucers, and they were like, "We not, we gotta like go smaller. We gotta go to just colored lights." <laughs> Can I uh, make a a quick fact interjection? In World War Two, under Belgium, it's known that Hitler had an uh, underground base being constructed, and he had a lot of scientists under there working on just different projects weapons tests flight object flight things mm-hmm. he actually invented a flying saucer down there and what it did is it was actually in like a very uh, disc style bell shape that um 
what it did is it created sort of a vortex inside and that's how it took off and unfortunately when that technology was actually at the brink of being tested outside of the facility um, that's when the war ended and scientists moved where most of them were actually taken to North America well it can't have been very good because otherwise we would be using it because well, Amer- no, Americans it wasn't, um, stole all the Nazi doctors yeah, it's one of the yeah. great. It's one of the great uh, conspiracies. The Americans have tried a few different designs too with the disc shape. Yeah, some of them uh, are. It's a disc shape uh, where the pilot's in the center, and then there are two basically, uh, almost like rotors, that are embedded in it, or it's a single rotor with like similar concept to a helicopter with a stabilizing rotor, but they're not convenient and they don't work very well. Like you can you can find old footage of test pilots trying out this new new disc plane. Um, I think when we're talking about something that goes in space, you're dealing with a whole other kind of thing, all whole different kind of physics. Oh yeah, I mean aerodynamics don't mean anything. Yeah. Hmm. I mean you could you could you could be the stubbiest ship, and it doesn't really matter in space. Okay. Because you're not worried about cutting through air. Okay. Let's let's bring this back to personal first-hand accounts. Yes, Barney and Betty Hill were an early adopter, or the the first incarnation of that perfect abduction story. But so many have come after. Are they all liars and crazy people? Is that the assumption? I I think the stat that I read was something like two and a half percent of the American population has reported an encounter. Yeah, yeah. I read a stat that said the U.S. is 300 times more likely to report UFO encounters than any other country in the world. What about Chile? <laughs> <laughs> Are we saying close encounters, like third kind encounters? No, no, just... Because, like, UFO UFOs. Of, UFOs, like, if you no, look it, at it, South it, America, in this case, South America is full of UFO reports. It includes reports. both uh, UFOs, encounters, and abductions. Okay. Well, you know what's number two? Where? Canada. Of course. Uh, I know. We've, we've grown up in Alberta, and Alberta has had its fair share of communities that have UFO sightings, and it's a famous thing for what makes the local papers. It's, yeah, it's a I, thing. I, I, I was on uh, the MUFON website. Uh-huh. Uh, I forget what MUFON stands for, but they're the... Uh, yeah. They're, they're <laughs> trying to be like sort of the legitimate face of UFO research, right? They, they, they take a methodical approach. They try to bring as much science as they can in. Yeah, they document everything meticulously. Is how's MUFON spelled? Because I bet you the UFO it's, is a uh, UFO. Is what that it, stands it's for? It's M U F O N, and it stands for um, the Mutual UFO Network. Yeah, it's where you go if you want to report your UFO sighting uh, in a uh, you know right documented so this, way. So this goes back. We're talking sixty-five for that. Uh, you know we. T- hear about the roswell incident back in was that 47 1947 when apparently ufos crashed in roswell new mexico mm-hmm. and uh there's reports that uh bodies were taken off bodies of- and you have you have even officials on the site who years later are claiming they were suppressed by by government that uh, as in to say like oh you can't talk about anything that you saw there and the official story, of course, is, oh, it was just a weather balloon. Was that the official story? The, offici- the, official, of a- the official story was that it was a weather balloon, mm-hmm. uh, tinfoil-y type uh, uh, makeup, 
and it it crashed and and fell in the field and that that's all it was well there's and a lot of uh a lot of authorities that went out there to deal with that absolutely <laughs> that's they the crash whole, all the time that's what's strange about it one of the other incidences and i want to bring this up before i bring up i really want to talk about respectable figures of authority who have said i have seen something that i can't explain okay and before i talk about that i want to preface with a historical event much like the roswell event but more unexplained it still has the exact same like official explanation of weather balloon but i want to talk about the battle of los angeles if you google the battle of los mm-hmm. angeles yeah you're going to find out in la santa monica region that that whole coastline in la during the early stages of world war ii the uh the 1940s it was um it was February twenty fifth, ni- or February twenty fourth, nineteen forty two, and crossed over into the morning of February twenty fifth, nineteen forty two. The idea that, like, well, what happened was a some sort of an object floated over Los Angeles, and because everyone, it was the middle of World War Two. It was before the Americans joined the war. It was everything was really everyone was really on edge about World War Two right now. Mm-hmm. Everyone was afraid of Japanese attacks. Something, some object, and there's a photo of it illuminated by military spotlights. And we'll link to it on the website. A, a, a photo of it illuminated by military spotlights hovering over Los Angeles. And nobody can identify it. Who it is, what country it is, whether it's even threatening at all. But so we, it sounds like a Zeppelin. We definitely... Yeah, yeah I, oh, it kind of <laughs> looks like a Zeppelin. It's very illuminating. It's very metallic. Like, it looks yeah. like it refracts... Like, uh, reflects light. Uh, and everybody fired upon it. Like, the military. The military uh, really uh, came together en masse in L.A. that night and shot at it. They just shot shells at it. And and nothing. It nothing seemed to affect it. It didn't really do anything and eventually it it dissipated it was not a it was no longer seen above everybody and the official story the official story is that yeah it was a it was a weather balloon again and this is i think before roswell it was actually before the roswell new mexico incident but it's a it's another incident of this is a weather balloon and Everybody was only firing at it because of mass hysteria and everyone was scared. And when the shots, when somebody in one uh, military encampment saw the shells exploding, they thought, oh, that's enemy fire. And they shot more shells from their encampment. How many encampments are around Los Angeles? I Well, if you look at the photo, like a lot, <laughs> like if you look at all the spotlights, like that's quite a distance. If you really look at it. That's like if you picture this mm. as the hills of Los Angeles, there's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight spotlights over like a hundred, like hundred miles. I guess miles. they probably had some stuff in place on the coast there. Yeah, on yeah, the, on the coast in, in wartime. Yeah. yeah, on the coast in wartime, and and it's a it's a big weird illuminated oval thing. Like it looks like a, I would say a saucer. Yeah, dirigible. It's looks like a dirigible. Sir, it looks like a <laughs> classic UFO. But you know. Zeppelins were like the World War One thing. 
one of the one of the only issues with like is this a zeppelin that nobody claimed is that like after the war when it really didn't matter if you said yeah i flew over your country or not no country every country said no that wasn't us japan said nope that wasn't us so i mean who's going to own up to like flying stuff over the us coast though i guess but why wouldn't they too like no. i mean like what, I don't what, know. what's the timeline is this before the us entered the war it was or 19, after? 1942 which i believe was before they entered the war when was pearl harbor i do not remember Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor yeah. was yeah ni- December seventh, nineteen forty one. So yeah. it was around the time they entered the war. It was within that year. So I don't know. That's a that's a that's an interesting one that a lot of people saw and a lot of people still to this day can't explain. And that military officials themselves really have never had a full explanation for. It. They they've only ever said we think it was a weather balloon. There, it's not like they it's not like they shot anything down and had physical evidence. They didn't know. Is there that many weather balloons? I know. I don't know. I don't know know about that. (laughs) Like, what was with the 40s and weather balloons? There was just like, No, it's still weather balloons. Weather balloons. Like, (laughs) one of the last ones that happened, I think, in Alberta, it was, in fact, a weather balloon. Right. Don't they use satellites for that now? Yeah, I thought so. I don't know. Um, For upper atmosphere, weather balloons are actually the way to go, except that um, there's really not as, like... They're not spread all over the country. <laughs> right. It's for upper atmospheric study of chemical composition. <laughs> Another major official who is who claims that UFOs are a thing is Paul Hellier, uh, who used to he's the former Canadian Defense Minister. Yeah, yeah, you hear a lot about that. Yeah, for sure. What did he say? He he just believes he believes that aliens have visited us and uh, and he's not very uh, he doesn't want to articulate too much but he says based on what he's seen yeah absolutely aliens have visited us uh, from the documents he's seen the classified documents he's seen aliens are here and we are stupid to think otherwise yeah I mean when people are defending uh, UFO accounts I always hear. One, the weight of anecdotal evidence. For sure. And two, the Canadian defense minister said so. He's, yeah, it's a big (laughs) one. So I have another case from 1986. And this is another case of somebody who, or this is a case of somebody who is uh, an official. Like, this is an airline pilot. No reason to lie about this because clearly he knows it's going to bench him. He's going to lose his job. And he did. He got benched for even stating just very straight up what he saw here is a japanese airlines pilot and uh this is his story and it gets really high level it goes all the way to reagan and his government so let's take a listen on november 17 1986 the crew of japanese airlines flight 1628 a cargo freighter witnessed three unidentified objects after sunset while flying over eastern Alaska. At least the first two of the objects were observed by all three crew members. Captain Kenju Terauchi, an ex-fighter pilot with more than 10,000 hours of flight experience, his co-pilot, and a flight engineer. The aircraft was en route from Paris to Narita International Airport near Tokyo with a cargo of wine. On the Reykjavik to Anchorage section of the flight, the crew first witnessed two unidentified objects to their left. These abruptly rose from below and closed in to escort their aircraft. 
each had two rectangular arrays of what appeared to be glowing nozzles or thrusters, though their bodies remained obscured by darkness. When closest, the aircraft's cabin was lit up and the captain could feel their heat on his face. These two craft departed before a third, much larger, disc-shaped object started trailing them, causing the pilots to request a change of course. Anchorage Air Traffic Control obliged and requested an oncoming United Airlines flight to confirm the unidentified traffic. But when it and a military craft sighted Flight 1628, no other craft could be distinguished. The sighting ended in the vicinity of Denali, formerly Mount McKinley. The first two objects, which Captain Terauchi originally assumed must be military aircraft, were pacing his flight path and speed. The two objects abruptly veered to a position about 500 feet in front of the aircraft, assuming a stacked configuration. In doing so, they activated a kind of reverse thrust and their lights became dazzlingly bright. To match the speed of the aircraft from their sideways approach, the objects displayed what Terauchi described as a disregard for inertia. Quote, the thing was flying as if there was no such thing as gravity. It sped up, then stopped, then flew at our speed in our direction, so that to us, it appeared to be standing still. The next instant it changed course. In other words, the flying object had overcome gravity. End quote. Air traffic control was notified but could not confirm any traffic in the indicated position. After three to five minutes, the object assumed a side-to-side -side configuration, which they maintained for another ten minutes. They accompanied the aircraft with an undulating motion and some back-and-forth rotation of the jet nozzles, which seemed to be under automatic control, causing them to flare with brighter or duller luminosity. Each object had a square shape consisting of two rectangular arrays of what appeared to be glowing nozzles or thrusters separated by a dark central section. The objects left abruptly at about 5.23 p.m., moving to a point below the horizon to the east. Where the objects first appeared, Captain Terauchi now noticed a third, a pale band of light that mirrored their altitude, speed, and direction. Setting their onboard radar scope to a 25 nautical mile range, he confirmed an object in the expected 10 o'clock direction at about 7.5 nautical mile distance, and informed air traffic control of its presence. Anchorage found nothing on their radar, but Elmendorf's NORAD Regional Operations Control Center directly in his flight path reported a surge primary return after some minutes. Anchorage Air Traffic Control offered military intervention, which was declined by the pilot. The object was not noted by any of the two planes which approached to confirm its presence, by which time Flight 1628 had also lost sight of it. Captain Terauchi cited in the official Federal Aviation Administration report that the object was a UFO. In December 1986, Terauchi gave an interview to Kyoto News journalists. Japanese Airlines grounded him soon after for talking to the press and moved him to a desk job. He was only reinstated as a pilot years afterward and retired eventually in North Kanto, Japan. Kyoto contacted the FAA Public Information Officer Paul Stuck in Anchorage and received confirmation of the incident. The FAA's Alaskan region consulted John Callahan, the FAA Division Chief of the Accidents and Investigations Branch as they wanted to know what to tell the media about the UFO. John Callahan was unaware of any such incident, considering it a likely early flight of a stealth bomber, then in development. He asked the Alaskan region to forward the relevant data to their technical center in Atlantic City, New Jersey, where he and his superior 
played back the radar data, and tied it in with the voice tapes by videotaping the concurrent playbacks. A day later at FAA headquarters, they briefed Vice Admiral Donald D. Engen, who watched the whole video and asked them not to talk to anybody until they were given the okay, and to prepare an encompassing presentation of the data for a group of government officials the next day. The meeting was attended by representatives of the FBI, CIA, and even President Reagan's scientific study team. Upon completion of the presentation, all present were told that the incident was secret and that their meeting, quote, never took place. According to Callahan, the officials considered the data to represent the first instance of recorded radar data on a UFO, and they took possession of all the presented data. Callahan, however, managed to retain the original video, the pilot's report, and the FAA's first report in his office. The forgotten target printouts of the computer data were also rediscovered, from which all targets can be reproduced that were in the sky at the time. After a three-month investigation, the FAA formally released the results at a press conference held on March 5, 1987. Here, Paul Stuke retracted earlier FAA suggestions that their controllers confirmed a UFO, and ascribed it to a split radar image, which appeared with unfortunate timing. He clarified that the FAA did not have enough material to confirm that something was there, and though they were accepting the descriptions by the crew, they were unable to support what they saw. The sighting received special attention from the media as a supposed instance of the tracking of UFOs on both ground and airborne radar, while being observed by experienced airline pilots with subsequent confirmation by an FAA division chief. Here again is a segment from YouTube channel UFO Case Review describing the thoughts of a notable skeptic. Noted UFO debunker Philip Klass is one of the few popular skeptics to have attempted a mundane explanation for the sightings of Japan Airlines 1628. Within weeks of the event, Klass suggested that the two lights reported by the crew were the planets Jupiter and Mars. However, new information later revealed that the crew had frequently seen the UFO in the opposite direction of both planets. Klass then proposed that the crew had seen moonlight reflected off the clouds, despite the fact that the witnesses had all reported that the clouds were below them during the sighting. Still, Klass's initial explanation was published in a report released by the Committee for the Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal, contributing to the public perception that the entire incident had been explained. Japan Airlines Flight 1628 was not the first or only flight to encounter a UFO. Many accounts indicate that commercial airline pilots see UFOs fairly often, but do not report them for fear of professional consequences. The upheaval in Terauchi's career after the incident offers an unfortunate but telling example of these consequences, and leads us to wonder how many pilots have chosen to leave their sightings off the record in order to avoid a similar fate. Moreover, Callahan's investigation with the FAA is proof that aerial monitoring facilities do occasionally obtain evidence of UFO activity, and his experiences on the case have proven national security interest. These qualities make the Japan Airlines incident one of the strongest cases in the ufologists' arsenal, and definitive proof that the US government's official position on UFOs simply cannot be squared with the evidence. As Callahan put it, Who are you going to believe? Your lion eyes or the government. 
Who are you going to believe? Your lion eyes or the government? I got to say, what's his name? Class, who uh, was trying to debunk the the story with basic things. He, he, he didn't work very hard to come up with, with an explanation <laughs> yeah. for that. As I, if pilots don't know, like... That that's a planet or a star. Sure. Yeah. They fly yeah. Night yeah. skies all the time. <laughs> class classes like skepticism was pretty bullshit skepticism. Uh, I also want to state obviously it was lazy. It was every, super lazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone involved in this incident doesn't think aliens. They think UFO in the term definition of unidentified flying object. They they just didn't know what it was. Maybe it's Russians. Like I mean, who who the fuck knows? But they they definitely like claimed to have seen something, and they reported it legitimately, and that that kind of scenario is is very strange. Mm-hmm. I always find it uh, funny that um, people put forward these cases where um, like military personnel, political pe- political figures, um, pilots, even especially mm-hmm. like Navy pilots, and they put them forward as a. Like, trusted sources, why would they lie? They're a Navy pilot. Okay. But these are the same people that think that, like, the government is covering up everything and that it's like a military political cover-up of reptilians on Mars. Like, these, it's... Why do you trust them more if you think they're covering everything up, too? It's, uh, it just doesn't fit. So you're saying that, like, more often than not, all of these, like, outlandish stories of, like, different, like, of, of alien encounters and crazy things are mostly coming from this no. section of what, people? What you're saying is that it's it seems pretty bizarre to put zero faith in government and officials when it comes to UFOs and what their explanation of these things are. And then also when someone says, yeah, it was a UFO, they're like, see, he's a... He's a general, right? Right. right, he, right, he, right he's yeah, a government. Yeah. He is. He is a military or government official who said it. Right. Yeah. Like they're 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 happy to cling on when uh, when it works in their favor. Yeah, it kind of, of course. Kind of feels like cherry picking. Yeah. Okay. So I, I let's say let's say you take that account. That's a that's a good account though. Like, uh, yeah. As, it, as far as they go, you know. It's a, it's 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 absolutely interesting. Like the radar itself showed a bunch of stuff that was unexplainable. So, I mean, I'm thinking, like, the best explanation is just experimental aircraft, or... It's also over Alaska. We're talking NORAD area. We're talking uh, bordering Russia. I mean, there's... Yeah, yeah we're, absolutely. We're, we're doing military exercises up there all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no way that they're not doing tests on aircraft, like, all over the world. I mean... Why wouldn't they be? Mm-hmm. But uh, I also think that uh, there's a lot that goes on with light up in the upper atmosphere. There's there's a lot that can happen with reflections. Okay. And, like, so it's not actually that far fetched that it's like a reflection off something. It does that that to you doesn't seem like a totally stupid, outlandish uh, idea. Uh, like I it's mean, not. I'd want to talk to someone who specializes in that kind of thing. Sure. 
but like I don't know if class does, but you're right, right, right. He well, doesn't I mean, seem like, to. Aurora just... borealis could cause a lot of stuff. Oh, uh, if I area. had a fucking nickel for every instance of supernatural activity explained by Aurora borealis, ball lightning. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. is it, this is ball lightning. This is a classic case of ball lightning. More like ball shit lightning, right? No, I, I don't know. I, I think I get it. <laughs> this is all bullshit. Oh, God, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, Sean! <gasps> what are you drinking? Oh, uh, hey, Mike. I didn't see you there. That that was a steam whistle pilsner, Canada's premium pilsner. It's brewed with only four all-natural ingredients, spring water, malted barley, hops, and yeast, all GMO-free. It's delicious. Oh, yeah? Mind if I have one? Actually, that was my last one. Dang, that sucks. It does suck. Really does. Steam whistle beer. Okay, okay, okay. There's three of us here at this table and one more of us at the booth. How many of us actually think that aliens have visited this planet? Uh, for you listeners at home, we're holding up our hands. Uh, the only one who isn't holding his hand up is uh, Jeff. That's actually not true. That's not true. <laughs> none of us. Holding, none no, of us no, held no, our hand up. No, Nick is Nick is holding his hand up. I wasn't. Oh, yeah. I wasn't Nick's sure how the, these kind of pulls were done on on the. Well, we like to airwaves. just you know we like to do them the natural way. You know oh. where it feels natural, just put up your hand, yeah. uh, and then once it's a physical action, we describe it to the listeners at <laughs> home. Gotcha. That's how the pros do it. Yeah. If 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 Mike glares at me hard, I'll I'll say into the mic. Mike is currently glaring at me hard. Yeah, mm. he'll say that. Yeah. Uh, well, well, I don't really. Uh, I I don't think it's like totally crazy, you know. Obviously, it could happen. Sure. Um, it's not it's not impossible. There's nothing about the laws of physics that say it's impossible. Right. But I just do not think it's likely, <laughs> at all. Like uh, the Wh- sheer size of space that we're talking about makes it just mathematically improbable. And why is why is improbable that? to what to come here? Yeah, find us be here to give a shit about us well, well that's if, a whole nother thing like why are they still here <laughs> yeah once they came by you think they'd be like nah we're not we're not <laughs> that complicated we're so you're thinking it's a long way to go why would any advanced civilization come here in the first place and if they did why would they even pick us up i, I just think it's very unlikely that they would even find us right just even our our, our you know, radio waves that were shooting out in all directions. Mm-hmm. You know, they go a long ways, but in the scale of things, not long at all. Like we're we're still just a hidden little blip in and, the, and, and the I, universe. I imagine that those fanouts of radio waves are still so few and far between, even though we're shooting out a bunch. In the vastness of space, are like light years in between each other. But clearly, they would have uh, different tactics for detecting things if they're as advanced enough to 
fly from their solar system to ours. Well, realistically, if they were that advanced that they were to fly from their solar system to ours, they're probably dealing in tachyons, not radio waves. Uh, tachy- <laughs> tachyons, for you listeners out there, are an imaginary particle made up as a thought experiment. Uh, the, the, the fundamental um, thing about tachyons is that uh, they exist faster than the speed of light. People wanted to think about what that kind of particle would look like. They don't actually exist in real life as far as, as, we, far know. as we know. Well, there are people still trying to prove them. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for them to exist. They, they were just a <laughs> thought experiment. Someone was like, what would a particle that... What would we call it? ...existed faster than speed of light would... Uh, what would that look like? I mean, they... True enough. They're, they're really cool. They, they would travel back in time. They would just exist backwards in time. Um, they... Just in that same way that it would take infinite energy to get something up to the speed of light. Right. Um, it would take infinite energy to get them to drop to the speed of light. Okay. <laughs> so they're like, a, it was a cool thought. Yeah, yeah. They, they're super interesting. So two things. First, I'm really glad Jeff's on the show. And two, I feel like you you have thought about the idea of alien visitors a lot, Sean. Me? Yeah. I kind of. You I feel like you I have I have I have my thoughts. I have my ideas. Okay. I my first question would be Here's my thing. Listening to the science on interstellar travel, it sounds like a really difficult thing to achieve. Not that it's unachievable, but difficult to achieve where you like quickly, you know, take a take a trip to Earth from the Andromeda galaxy, you know, like or the nearest solar system. Like it's still going to take years, and it's not really like why would you go that far to another planet? Like you clearly have some resources, and there's asteroids and other like if you're looking for resources, which is one reason to travel, then there's got to be pl- places that are closer. Okay. Second of all, I've you know with all the uh, ideas on um, basically by the time we're at a, a point where time doesn't matter if it takes a hundred years to get across from this place to that place, we're probably we've evolved to like a biomechanical machine kind of thing where it's artificial intelligence running a ship, taking a ship to explore. That's what uh, I mean. The most credible scenarios of something reaching us. Or are like self-replicating probes that have yeah. been sent out like a hundred thousand years ago. Like, right. Okay. I've heard this method before. That would be what I would most believe in. <laughs> yeah, that just makes sense. You know, like the the replicants from Stargate. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it's also something that I just don't know why people would travel. Like, do, do we actually expect, like, a, a Star Trek future where everyone's just trying to... It's the pursuit of knowledge? You know what I want? I want that Star Trek future because I want, like, alien politics. Yeah. I want, like... I want a snooty alien federation that looks down on the human race and mm-hmm. <laughs> calls us Earth Clan and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, uh, I just... I want the, the drama of uh, intergalactic United Nations to pay attention to i think that would be amazing yeah 
You want the drama of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, you know, you're right. Politics these days is is boring. Right. Yeah. I mean, who says it wouldn't get boring? Yeah. After. But, you know, probably I could live a lifetime paying attention to that drama pretty. Yeah. We're not going to get there, though. However, <laughs> now you having said that, basically what I'm bringing to the table today is some research I did which is uh, on alien races. Now, alien racists? Races. Okay. <laughs> Extraterrestrial races <laughs> is actually how I should should put it because alien races uh, means so much now in the Trump years. Um, so we'll, we'll talk extraterrestrial <laughs> races. Uh, uh, races as species that are not from this earth. Uh, that's how you know you can't trust them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... <laughs> but now here's the thing. I thought I, w- I was actually picking something that was going to be easy uh, to dissect and quickly put out for this podcast format. I quickly found out that the world of the extraterrestrial extraterrestrial races is so vast. And people have written whole books on this subject, including the interstellar politics like the, the thousand Ooh. year wars of, of species from different, uh, you know, star systems. You got my attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start out by just going over the basics. Some of the ones that we know, uh, one of the, the most basic one is the aliens called the greys. Yeah. Okay. We yeah. know the term, the greys classic X-file alien. Uh, it's kind of what, uh, Betty and Barney rubble, <laughs> uh, uh, saw. So you're saying big, big head. Yeah, the big, big almond shaped head, the big almond shaped eyes, uh, little nose, uh, little mouth or no mouth, uh, often naked, short, longer arms than feels natural in proportion to their. They're humanoid still. I mean, they have two arms, two legs, uh, long, slender fingers that, you know, I don't know. It's easier for them to pick noses with or something that's how they evolved or right um so we know of that alien the roswell aliens were supposed to be they they were described as that some of the crappy still photos that you can tell are totally fake usually show that kind of alien um the grays are 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 the classic example but there's a few other ones there's uh you said it earlier the reptilians the reptilians are another race that apparently has uh, not only visited Earth, but is here living on Earth and possibly disguised uh, as humans. They think that there's uh, underground uh, dwellings that they live in. And uh, some notable aliens in disguise are George W. Bush, oh. uh, Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically like major political figures that are like trying to manipulate the human human drama betty white pardon me betty white she's creepy i don't think she's an alien well no, there's theories <laughs> on her yeah maybe <laughs> i hadn't i hadn't come across that one look if she's an alien i still like her so so oh, there's i will not dislike anyone for being an alien yeah no no, no, no. That, absolutely absolutely definitely <laughs> yeah that that won't be the that's the important reason. that's important to get across <laughs> <laughs> so as we get through this we got we got the rep- reptilians we got the grays and mm-hmm. there's also uh, another category called the nordics nordics 
Now the Nordics, because I know I know the other ones. I don't know these Nordics. The Nordics, they're described as the Nordics because they look like Nordic people. Oh. Apparently, they're quite tall, Aryan-looking, often depicted uh, as uh, almost like elf-like, like Lord of the Rings elf-like, tall, slender, uh, fair features, uh, sometimes with the pointy ears. Okay. Um. So this is this is a really common one. This is actually one that. Uh, was often used like it was one of the ones described more often uh before the grays came into the picture before the roswell incident so when you're talking 1910s 20s this this is how they were described and we're abducting or uh coming into situations where um like they, they just pay a visit to a human just to be like hey how you doing? We've come to raise your vibrations. Yeah, <laughs> they, they're very. They, that's actually totally it. They're they're super spiritual. These guys, the Nordics, yogis, uh, kind of. They're they're like when they describe them, they describe them as like uh, beings that uh, don't actually exist from a, another planet. They're from another plane of space and time. So there's a lot of. Also, I didn't realize how much like spirituality is linked to aliens and UFOs nowadays. Oh, yeah. When you get into the, what's it called? When they're like remote viewing, like the channeling or whatever. Yeah. like uh, Yeah. It's where it gets kind of foofy and uh, fifth dimension. Mm. So uh, those are like apparently the three core alien groups. There's, o- there's often other ones. But amongst these three core alien groups, there has been an, an interstellar opera drama unfolding over the past thousands of years just without us knowing yeah well the idea is the greys are actually uh, a a slave species of the reptilians they're the ones coming around taking the people uh doing the the nasty things in labs either abducting or taking you know tissue samples uh to breed hybrid uh other uh slave kind of races or for food like as food sources for the reptilians okay uh the story is that the reptilians actually used to live here they used to live here you know millions of years ago they uh got the technology to or like they evolved to leave the planet and went to i I believe it was the the dracos system or something like that which seems a little that's convenient convenient (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, and then basically what they're doing, they've come back and they're like, you know, this is originally our home, Terra. And now we are here and we're going to slowly take over before you humans, um, get to the level that we were when we, when we left. Right. Uh, the reptilians apparently, uh, have actually spread all over. They, 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 they colonize lots of different places and there's different factions. There's different forms or They've become their own species over time. Um, it's actually, and basically the greys are their slave labor. And then the the Nordics, or also the, the I think they're called the Pleiades, the oh, Pleiadians. Yeah. Let me just look this, look at the word. Pleiadians? No. Pleiades. They're from, they're from Pleiades. They're Ple, Pleiadian. 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 I think I've heard that word before. So they're here more to be like, hey, you guys, reptilians, 
don't do that. <laughs> you know, they're they're more benevolent. They're more they're benevolent. They're nice guys. They're you know, they they're just coming around to be like, "Hey guys, let's just hang loose. You guys shouldn't be doing this." Um there's another species called the Ar- Arcturians. Now, the Arcturians actually uh, have a resemblance to the greys in a lot of ways, but they're tall. Um, they wear, described as wearing like cloaks. Um, they're like, they're the ones who, they're like Switzerland, where they, the greys might actually be like a hybrid of a reptilian and an Arcturian genetic uh, makeup. But the Arcturians are the guys who like come in and they're trying to be like the peacekeeper, but there's only so much they can do. The reptilians, they're the motherfuckers. They're, you know, they're the ones who are eating, like harvesting our children. And, uh, <laughs> our uh, children? Oh, oh, that's who <laughs> and, it is. And uh, forcing us to drink Coca-Cola, you know, that kind of thing. They're the guys who are doing the chemtrails in the sky. Um, actually, the movie They Live. Right. You know, They Live with Row- Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's basically it's kind of like that. That it's the story of the reptilians. So the, there's an alien species that uh, that uh, yeah is taking over and is secretly already taking over. Okay. Not the Freemasons. <laughs> not not the, the Fre- orgiastic Freemasons. It's no orgy Freemasons. <laughs> right. So, what's really fascinating is. Is how like I actually went onto a website. It was like uh, these are the aliens uh, and the species, and it gives a whole breakdown and it gives the interpolitics of things, including uh, talking about certain alien races that were here uh, during the you know dawn of ancient civilization. Pyramids, you know, the pyramid guys. A- are you saying ancient aliens? Ancient alien, uh, ancient extraterrestrials. I'm not gonna do a shout out to that show. <laughs> uh, that you know taught us how to do certain things, build certain things, taught us the stars, how to chart them, and then they left. Okay. Um, apparently, there's some argument over to which alien races they belong to, or if they even had anything to do with the the core group that I've just described. Um, in some cases, though, when they finally left and they saw that, you know, mankind was, you know, ready to go out on its own and create its own politics and culture, they pulled out and they took a bunch of humans with them, humans that were close by them and, you know, they didn't want any, any of the secrets going out once they left. And so that there's actually been humans and Terrans who uh, have been living off of Earth for the last few thousand years, and also have come back to like visit. Huh. So the idea of Earth becomes more so like like it was. What would you call it? Uh, what did they call it in uh, like the Babylonian times? The the Fertile Nile area. It was the when it comes to the culture blooming out of. There's a, there's a term for it. The cradle of civilization. Cradle, cradle of civilization. <laughs> that's that's the term I'm looking for. What it sounds like is Earth has been the cradle of interstellar civilizations. Ah. So, having now that I've told you all this, Jeff, aren't you excited to be living in the world we're living in? Yeah, it's just what I wanted. Yeah. Uh, to be living in the stars. Like it's Earth. happening right now. You're in the Federation. Yeah. 
Um, the, the problem is, is that they don't release like a monthly newsletter or a magazine. I think yeah, I need that's, <laughs> that's the issue. Yeah, we I need I, a New Yorker. Like I need this, this roundup on my Twitter. On like, uh, your RSS yeah, feed. I need, I need Al Jazeera to cover this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't understand what I was getting into. I mean, there's, you can get into like they, people who believe in alien races uh, use alien races as explanations for so many uh, myths that we've had, like giants to dwarves. You know, that the, these people that we everything mm-hmm. we we are our, our pal. Bigfoot, Sasquatch. Yeah, he, they've even used that as as a thing. That guy, he's always brushing that shit off. So one of the things, uh, so those reptilians, uh, talking about mythology. You know the story of the Mothman. Yeah, the Mothman sightings. He's the harbinger of doom. Sure. The Mothman. Yeah. So Richard apparently- Gear. Yeah, you saw the movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, there, it was a story. It was a well documented story. Uh, one of the explanations for the Mothman is the higher echelon of the reptilian species called the Dracos or the Alpha Dracos, who actually have wings, like dragon-like wings, you know, uh, folded on a rib-like structure that they can tuck in. And uh, they say that's, that's where they're also called Mothmen. Oh. So that's the update on the Mothman. Oh. It's aliens the whole time. It's, it's all actually coming just been another species. Yeah. Uh, there is the chameleons of the reptilians. They're the ones who are actually doing like the, you know, the disguising as humans. Right. Thing. That's who, what George W. Bush is as a chameleon. I'll, I'll give him that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I would actually be surprised if Trump was one of these reptilians. No, he ain't that. He ain't. That I think smooth. the reptilians are like, oh shit, <sighs> how we'd let that one squeak by? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why couldn't the queen have stopped it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is all the queens. There, there's the another... queen reptilians at end game. The queen of England is a reptilian, and this is all her fucking end, end game. You know, they're actually about to uh, approach their plan. They just had a secret meeting at the at the Royal Manor. The Royal Manor? Is that what you know it as? I couldn't Do you mean Buckingham Palace? Thank you. <laughs> or Windsor Castle. I was going to say the castle, and I was like, is it a castle? I think, so. that, I think that was just to announce that um, Prince... What Philip? What's his name? Yeah, Philip, the the ninety something year old one wasn't doing any more social engagements. That's because right. he's going back to Dracos. Yeah. Oh. He's hit retirement years. He gets to go back to Dracos and hang out with all the Dracos ladies. <laughs> <laughs> his sweet reward. Yes. So there's another race called the Celians. <laughs> the Celians are are what I this is my theory. It hasn't been alluded to in the readings. Are they in the ceiling? Celian. Oh. They're kind of yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> they're they're kind of like the Nordics, or the Pleiadians. They're uh, but they're described as being Mediterranean or South American in in appearance, but with a similar like tall, slender, you it's know, pointy sauce. I mean, why wouldn't you be? You're <laughs> advanced civilization capable of genetic engineering. You'd all be tall and beautiful. Tall and beautiful. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, based on human constructs of beauty. <laughs> but uh, here's the thing. Here, here's here. well, human constructs of beauty are based upon the brain recognizing patterns. Any society Symmetry? that learns is going to be a society that recognizes patterns. 
You know when you no. see when you see like a fox in the forest who's like beautiful or a Disney character who's like like you know when Bugs Bunny dresses up like a girl bunny. <laughs> the point the point being symmetry is attractive to human beings, so maybe no matter what species you are, symmetry is attractive and attractive it is attractive across that, the world. That that is a huge assumption. It's or lack sure. of symmetry. I mean, that is a that is a an arrogant assumption. Sure. Sure. It is. <laughs> Rank arrogance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, if you're looking to influence humans, you, you get, it helps to be pretty. So we know so, that. So hypothetically, if it was, if this so you, they alien went through genetic modification existed, just to influence us, well, they flew all the way here. Yeah. Okay. That makes or sense. They might not have flown all the way here. They could also have crossed a certain uh, dimensional ba- barrier. Mm. That's one of the the stories with the Pleiadians. Bam oh yeah, they're, 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 they're the fifth dimensional yeah. people, right? Oh. Yeah, they're the ones who want to elevate us to a higher existence. Yeah, that'll do it. You know what? They could be able to just change your form any which way. Right. For all we know, if if they're dealing with that kind of thing, yeah. What we see them as is just our perspective. Okay. It's just circles that are really spheres, you know. It's... Yeah. Exactly. Circles that are actually just a dot. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so I highly recommend. Uh, I could go on. I, I think we actually could do a full breakdown of. It's a like Game of Thrones in space. <laughs> okay. Is, is basically what I've begun to learn. Okay. It's very complicated. Um, it could be a whole episode. Right. Like we're we're talking there's there's even specific wars that are listed, like the Lyran War, which lasted a thousand years. It happened a thousand years ago. And basically it's when all of a sudden the reptilians were fighting against the Arcturians and reptilians had to flee Earth and then they came back when the Arcturians were kinda gone and done their thing. So Jeff, you're talking about Aliens coming across from a long distance to come to Earth. Why? How would they even find us? Now, some of these races that we're talking about, these alien races, live here. Some of them live in underground dwellings. Some of them live in elaborate tunnels and, and systems on in the outskirts of South America. Some of them live in Antarctica. It's a good place. So what? Some of them. Some of them. Uh, the dwarf species, apparently, uh, the dwarves uh, that we know of, like the the short people, apparently are capable of uh, flight and interstellar travel. That's not something I usually associate with dwarves. No. Well, why not? They're mechanical. They build. Wait, they, they, they build flying machines or they fly? They need no, to no, figure no, no. out they, how they to build the flying machines. So their technology is advanced enough, yet they live on Earth. So. Huh. Some of these saucers, they might not even be coming from across. Maybe it's all just happening here right now. Okay. Maybe we're talking about, like, the the greys live on the moon, apparently. They have a colony on the moon. Yeah. They come here. That's a short distance. You don't need to do interstellar travel if you're just coming from the moon. There's plenty of moon mysteries that maybe suggest that there's there are, yeah. colonies on the moon. There are reptilians on Mars, and along with a, a slave... Uh, we know this. Race of uh, humanoids. <laughs> hu- Jeffins. Well, according to the research I did, yes. I mean, I once heard a, uh, a guy who described himself as a 42nd degree Freemason. 
Oh, Christ. Because he solved language. Uh, that's how he got his um, status. That He was invited to visit the reptilians on Mars, and Obama was there. Okay. So I've, I've definitely heard that. You talked to this guy? Um, <laughs> but it doesn't make it true, is that what you're saying? Did he have mysterious warts? I, I don't know what he had. Mm. I don't know. All I'm saying is there's a lot of research that's been done. A lot of people have... Uh, one, of the, one of the places I went was a, a website called The Watcher Files, and they had a link to known types of aliens and races. I printed it off thinking that it was... I, I should have scrolled down the page to say, see how long it was. Uh, it ended up being uh, 22 pages, uh, <laughs> double, double-sided pages. Whoa. 22. Oh, yeah. So hence why I was like, well, I can't just sum all this up. Like there, there, there's literally, there's, there's 44 different alien races or sub-races. Like there's the Draco Borgs. You know what they are? No, a hive mind Draco. <laughs> they're like a they're like a, a Borg, uh, like like Star Trek Borg, Draco. They're like a cyborg, Draco. So is so all reptilian. is all this information just cobbled together from reports or uh, reports from books uh, from the Bible? Uh, <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> the most trusted source, including the Old and New Testament. Okay. They talked about the Book of Enoch, um, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls. This is taken from the Dead Sea Scrolls. This is taken from uh, ancient uh, uh, paintings and carvings and descriptions um, from historians. Uh-huh. People like Plato. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Aristotle. I just have a one question. Why is there not a galactic Game of Thrones TV show yet? You obviously don't watch the sci-fi channel very often. Yeah, there's a three of them, I think, on really? right now. <laughs> there's several MCUs or cinematic universes regarding this entire subject. Oh, and also Star Trek, the show. Well, no, I know like Star Trek. But I'm, talking, <laughs> I'm talking literally with the, the greys and with... Oh, yeah. it was called Stargate. Yeah, that was actually, that was actually <laughs> yeah. a good one. Yeah. So Stargate actually dealt with all of this, uh, including the whole idea of ancient uh, aliens coming in using humans as slaves back in the Egyptian days. Oh, cool. There was the Nordic gods. Good TV they, show. And they're called the Asgardians. Yeah, the Asgardians, but they look like greys. They look like greys. Oh. But they could have been the Nordics. That. Why weren't they the Nordics? I don't know, because they, sh- they should have done more hard research. To, hard to put on film. Yeah. <laughs> Which are like prancing. Space Fabios? No. <laughs> yeah. Space Fabios. <laughs> no, it's more of just a whole bunch of Orlando Blooms. Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> Jeff, I want to talk a little bit about what the odds are of an alien civilization coming to this planet and why they would ever come here. Do you have any sort of speculations on that? Well, you know, I meant to look into like the Fermi paradox, which is, uh, it's like, for those that haven't heard of it, it's... Uh, a guy named Enrico Fermi, he thought that if the universe is filled with all these billions of stars, which presumably have planets around them, and which presumably at least some fraction of them create life, why haven't we met them yet? Where is everybody? Right. Um, and that's called the Fermi Paradox. With all of these planets out there, why isn't the universe more busy? Right. Because uh, we pick up on no signals, we get nothing. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, they're all had... in happy boxes. 
Um, like, mm. are you talking about virtual reality? Yeah. Well, like hollow. Yeah, hollow chambers and whatnot. Well, that's a whole other fucking episode. That is that is one theory is that uh, just advanced races don't project outwards. Right. They project insularly. Yeah, they're all like hooked up to computers or yeah, you know, uh, like another, the Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and an- another theory is uh, that everyone's just listening and no one's trying to talk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we have SETI, our giant yeah. ear to the universe. It's just a big bank of. Uh, Radio telescopes. Just do we not? Yeah. Oh, we, do we not send out broadcast I, signals? Uh, well, out? I feel like everything no, we, we everything don't. we put out though is kind of a broadcast. No, signal, but isn't it? in this case, you want to do it directed. Okay. So that it, uh, and that's what we look for is that directed pulse. Yeah. Uh, it 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 is the calling card. Be like, hey, someone is out there reaching out. Right. Yeah, I think um, one thing Enrico Fermi was underestimating is just how hard it is to stumble across a civilization's radio waves even if um there are a lot of civilizations out there well it just gets choked out though with all like stars and their own radio emissions galaxies gas giants that are well yeah just look at all the signals we've been receiving in the last two years regarding this and they're just like oh that's what this is yeah, I mean, there's been no, there's been no um, credible artificial signal received by SETI yet. Uh, it's starting to look kind of grim, but uh, what about the f- rapid radio bursts? Because they, I, and I understand, as I understand it, the rapid radio bursts that we've been receiving, they finally took them like three years, but they've they've identified that it's not like a microwave in somebody's office. It's not Earth origin. They've determined it's coming from space. They just don't totally know whether... Because it kind of repeats. They just don't know whether or not it's of natural origin or intelligent origin. Yeah, is this the one they wrote, like, wow in the margin next to it? No, no. The wow signal is an old one. This is a... The wow signal happened once. It was one blip on the radar. But this is a, a brand new pattern of rapid radio bursts that have, like, kind of become a... Uh, a big topic like if you if you follow i fucking love science on facebook they they bring this subject up a lot and and they're always quick to be like it's not necessarily aliens don't fucking go there like it's just it's radio waves but it could be just radiation from a, a some supernova somewhere that is like pulsating this way right you know and the only reason that they're interested in it is because it kind of repeats and that that seems to denote intelligence and and the idea that it's it's coming towards they finally have they finally just recently have uh, within the last like six months have dis- have come to the conclusion that it's not earth bound radio frequencies it's not it's not a mistake yeah it, it's coming from space i'm not familiar with it so okay interestingly enough i don't follow i fucking love science really <laughs> yeah I mean, they're not they're not always great. Like sometimes they're super like they're getting worse. Yeah, they're getting really like pop sci and like really. Um, uh, it's just not vetted. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it, yeah. it's 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 very uh, clickbaity lately. Yep, it's really grown into that. I mean, there are lots of things in space that repeat. I mean, quasars for one. Yeah, they, every time they spin. Yeah, they they're they're shooting uh, radio waves out their poles, 
and so they and they're spinning really fast and so it's just a repeated radio signal so where are we at then with this ufos and and uh, arcturians and reptilians and grays well do we have any sort of a conclusion do you think everyone who says this is lying I do you think it's no, I don't I don't think everyone's lying. I think there's a combination of lying, uh misremembering, mm-hmm. miss uh universe. Yeah, miss universe. <laughs> uh miscognition. <laughs> they they're not uh perceiving things uh correctly. Like, sure. Uh, like you're seeing a reflection and and uh saying it's a UFO. Can How about this something? though? How about this? If you have all of this stuff here, like I'm talking, there's there's books and books and books written on on these aliens. A bunch. We'll have more episodes about this. I think we need to. Oh, yeah. Because I, I actually, as of today, I was like, I have a lot of reading to do because I'm fascinated by what's happening. And where all this information comes from, frankly. Yeah. Tracing I'd love to know it. the sources and to go back on it. But what if... If you take all the, you know, when we're looking for like the middle of the road, you take the, no, none of this is true. This is stupid. And then you take the other extreme, which is like, it's all true. Every little bit of it. Mm -hmm. Do you think that we're dealing with something that might, there might be something in the middle? I have the theory. I mean, tulpas. Oh, we're not (laughs) getting into that. That's an extreme topic. Yeah. Okay. Jeff, you were saying. What was I saying? You were about to say something. You <laughs> I'm said, saying, I mean, like, what about the middle it. of the road? What if some of this is true? What if, yeah. what if there are aliens actually just among us? You know, I don't find the weight of anecdotal evidence convincing. I don't find that it's sheer weight convincing like some do. Sure. Because mm-hmm. um, you don't trust humans. <laughs> I certainly don't. I really don't either. I know I get, I get that. <laughs> I but, want uh, to. But I'm also not going to say that science has figured everything out that uh, of course there aren't mysteries there's a you know a fuzzy frontier still in science uh i think the general consensus with the scientific method is uh uh we believe everything there there's no such thing as a fact it's always a theory right until until more data suggested something else so your perception can shift easily if more data is presented to sway you in a certain direction. Well, you just, you, you don't, you don't, um, make assumptions. You, you, you have to follow the facts. Right. Uh, science is, it's all about being skeptical, right? But it's also all about having an open mind. Uh, nothing's proven to be untrue yet. I mean, that's the whole, the whole thing about science is you can't prove anything beyond a reasonable doubt. So it, it kind of works both ways, you know. Mm-hmm. You have to disbelieve all this anecdotal evidence. It's not, it's not scientific. It's not. It proves nothing. Uh, but you also, I can't prove it didn't. Then it's not real. Right. Right. Science can't hasn't proven that. Well, it hasn't proven that these hundreds of people aren't are are lying. It hasn't proven they're lying. No, it can't. Right. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, there's still big, big fundamental mysteries in our understanding of the universe. Like, you know, there's the classic ones like dark matter. Yeah. Dark energy. 
Yeah. Um, you know, which we know exists just because of math. Yeah. I mean, uh, dark matter, um, basically, uh, when people started analyzing, uh, like large galactic clusters, clusters of galaxies, these massive group groupings in, in space, uh, they found that they were moving more quickly, like they were rotating around each other, and they were moving more quickly than they should be able to and still stay coherent. Right. They should be just flying away. Okay. By all laws of physics that we know. we you know, They counted up all the stars in there and all the matter in there, and uh, it's just not enough to hold it together with how energetic And they needed moving. something significant. Yeah, yeah, and they needed together. they needed huge amounts of mass added. It's like it's estimated that eighty five percent of the of all like matter is dark matter, <laughs> and like that's just like sort of a placeholder term. No one knows what it means mm-hmm. or what it is. Uh, it's just this is stuff. There's there's more mass in the universe than we can detect, uh, and like that's a that's a big hole. <laughs> and, now, and also, when we're talking about alien races, uh, we're talking about advanced beings who are trying not to be seen. Yeah, I mean... So I've, how do you even look for them? I've, I've seen, like, theories out there that it's, like, all Dyson spheres creating the dark matter and stuff, and I think that's just kind of... That seems... Preposterous. Abs- that seems absurd. Just 85% of the universe is a lot of freaking matter. Yeah, <laughs> for a Dyson sphere that, like, I mean, frankly to us, seems grandiose when it covers one star. <laughs> like is that someone's actually said that as a as a theory yeah yeah like we're just not seeing the stars that are covered in a dyson sphere and if you if you read if, basically if, is that it basically yeah for more reference yeah. on a dyson sphere if you listen to our previous full borcelli episode we talk all about it yeah and, that, and that's that's kind of stupid yeah <laughs> yeah that's really stupid. that seems like a dumb thing <laughs> that good. that's one of those ones that you can throw out okay yeah. so <laughs> like the flat earth theory so <laughs> Kind of in a conclusion, uh, I guess what I'm wondering is, do you, oh, oh, sneezing guys, that came out of nowhere. I guess what I'm wondering is, shit, I hate this. Oh, that felt good. What I'm wondering is... Just, we'll take a break. Do anyone have to pee? <coughs> pee break? Yeah, I have to pee a lot. Let's continue. Uh, we're recording. Already? You said let us continue. I'm, I'm not ready. Okay. So... I'm ready, though. Okay, what were we talking about? I got this. Okay, so in summation, what it, what do you... Do you believe anything? I really want to get an answer here. <laughs> yeah, that's actually... Like, I really, I really... What do, do you believe in, Jeff? I really do want to get an answer here in the sense of, like, do you think all these people are crazy? Do you think it's at all possible that any of these people have encountered actual extraterrestrials? Um, well, I feel like that's two separate questions. Whether I believe it or whether it's possible, I think it's possible. Perhaps not in the way that 
they tell it. I don't. I don't know if uh, I believe in you know the. I don't know if the willowy Nordic folk raising our vibrations are possible. Okay. But uh, I mean, it's totally possible that aliens have visited Earth. I just really don't believe that they have. <laughs> I just don't think it's likely at all. You know, uh, I'm gonna. What what was that sound? Oh, okay. So I'm to go talking about the Nordics, the Pleiadians. Um, I should do a better descriptor before you write them off altogether. <laughs> okay. So the Pleiadians are said to resemble humans in form. What are you doing? Go on. The Pleiadians are said to resemble humans in form. However, they are highly advanced spiritual beings. Pleiadians are believed to exist in a different space-time dimension because of their ability to harness the powers of higher spiritual planes. Oh, that'll do it. Yeah. yeah. The Pleiadians are extraterrestrials whom originate from the planet Era, which orbits the star Ten Tori, also known as Tegeta. Pleiadians are said to be refugees from the Lyran Wars, which I mentioned earlier. Brought into light by the controversial alien contactee and prophet Billy Meyer, Pleiadians known as Plagiarin by Billy Meyer continue to capture our thoughts and imaginations into the infinite reaches of our universe and what it may hold. This is one of those spiritual UFO pages that uh, I went to. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, the contactees. Yeah. Always the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Always the most, like... We've come to make Earth a utopia and to raise you up into our higher plane. Well, you know what, Jeff? Fucking amazing to have you on. I love having you on because you just you tear through shit so well for us. And you, you play well with us. I love it. I'm okay with it as well. He's okay with it. I, I, <laughs> I actually, I like it more. <laughs> he likes it more than me. No, more than being okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> uh, now's the time that we will bring out our next guest. Uh, he comes from the planet Dracos. No way. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, it's uh, George W. Bush, everybody. George W. Bush! <laughs> Just kidding. We couldn't get George W. Bush. No, we couldn't. So we, we got Don we, Iverson. We tr- <laughs> there he is. <laughs> and he's coming full reptilian, too. <laughs> uh, so everything we talked about now, it's boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your mind is blown. Everything you said means shit. Yeah. Nothing at all. <laughs> the mayor is a reptilian. <laughs> Got to reevaluate. <laughs> Great. Good Thanks, talk. Jeff. Thanks, man. My pleasure. You gotta do the sound. I can feel the burn.